The Product Podcast is back with a brand new season. This time we are featuring eight of the brightest minds in the industry. Our latest episodes will highlight insights, methods and strategies that are being used at the top tech companies around the world. If you are eager to start your product career, head to our website to learn more about product management certificates. This is Jay. And this is Eva. And we hope you enjoy all the latest insights brought to you by Product School. Welcome back to another episode of the Product Podcast. In this episode, we explore some alternative perspectives of product management with Andrea Chesley of Boxed. With 15 years of experience under her product belt, Andrea has gone from an entry-level PM to VP of product by creating impactful work at companies like Verizon, Zappos, Rent the Runway, One King's Lane, and finally, Boxed. See how her experience has shaped her insights and let us know what you think of her impressive array of product knowledge. Andrea, did you ever wonder about how the biggest services, brands and products were developed when you were growing up? Did you ever think about how people interacted with things or why things were built a certain way? You know, this is such a great question. I love this. But um, so you're going to find my answer, though, a little bit funny, hopefully. Uh, So not necessarily the biggest services and brands, but as a kid, I was just really, really super curious. I always wanted to know how things worked, how something was built. I take things apart. So I was that kid with like the microscope, the chemistry set, the Legos. And so always ending up breaking them because I wanted to see the components, what was connected with what, how do things work, how do things interact. And I even remember one time, I just wanted to see what would happen if I combined all the chemicals that came with my chemistry set. And of course I did that. And naturally I created this like really disgusting gunk that just burned through right my test tubes, but it was super fun. You know, you, you try to figure out how things work that way. And you're always asking, but why? Well, what do you think if it worked this way? And you're all, you're, for me, what I try to do is I try to, even with my friends, I try to put that PM hat away, but it's hard. So I totally agree with you. This is definitely something we do all the time. What about family, friends, or teachers? Did you have any connections to the tech world? Um, you know, not specifically, but um, when I was growing up, so my brother and I are super, super close, um, and he and I were always just these co-conspirators, so he's very much the same way, although he's not in a product, both very curious and just wanting to see how things worked, and so in fact, I don't think it was my chemistry set that I broke, I think it must have been his <laughs> that I burned <laughs> through all the test tubes, but um So we used to spend hours together, like we would build robots from our Lego sets Um, and we would build really awesome ones. But at that time, you you know, we didn't really get a chance to integrate it with any tech to make it like to make them really come to life. But, you know, that's why when you're a kid, imagination is so awesome because in our heads, they were so cool. (laughs) They moved anyway, like the Transformers. So I would say it's definitely my brother. So you studied English and fine art at City University in New York. What do you think about the humanities? Did they help you prepare for product management? I think there's a lot. So so a little bit about my background. I started in Columbia as a computer science major, but as a kid, because, you know, you're super curious. I, I mean, I loved science, but I also loved art. I loved music. It was one of those things that it was super hard to decide uh, eventually what to major in. And I think ultimately a liberal arts education allows you to have the best of everything, right? Because if you think about applications 
in technology or applications in building a solution for a problem, there is a lot of creativity. There's a lot of philosophy. There's a lot of the social sciences. And I think that's one of the things that, that, one could potentially lose by being so specific potentially in the studies that one does, right? So if you're just purely computer science, which is incredible, amazing, you kind of lose all of that other stuff that you can take with you and bring into your your um, your day-to-day. And so I do that with product management. So if you think about like, let's say Leonardo da Vinci, right, as a historical figure who was also very curious great artist, but he also dabbled in sciences. He also dabbled like in botany, et cetera. He was like a true Renaissance, uh, a Renaissance man. And so that's what I think liberal arts brings to the discipline of product. So there's a lot of psychology when you think about, well, how does a customer interact with my product um, and putting yourself in the customer's shoes, et cetera. So I, I do, I do believe that, um, you know, it's it's such an asset to have that sort of background. Uh, and it, again, definitely has helped me in my day to day. How did you feel as a product analyst in 2005? Did you know much about the product management role back then? No, I mean, so when I started in product, you know, I was coming from, so I've, I had dabbled um, in some front end engineering, some um uh, DBA work, and then most recently, uh, to your point, was uh, Verizon at uh, as a web analyst. And so at that time, when you know you get into product, and I think people who came into product 10, 15 years ago were, will have a similar story. It's not really the sphere that it is today. I got into it because one of the leaders at Verizon recognized that I was creative, recognized I was a problem solver, and she pulled me into her team. It wasn't like this thing where, oh, I'm doing this path, I'm going to school, I'm going to get these experiences in order for me to move into product. I mean, I just think that product now has grown into such a wonderful career path. So many ways to break into it, formalized education, uh, lots of opportunities, but certainly when I was starting and thinking about just sort of where my career was going, it was still very much like, again, problem solving, nascent stages. Um, And so it wasn't like this clear path that I was going from analyst into product. In your case, after a year, you were already a senior product manager at Verizon and you were in charge of the website. So my question is, what is different about managing a website now versus 15 years ago? What was the most important factor in designing a successful user experience and what has changed? I think, so what was wonderful about Verizon is that they really, at that time, wanted to be leaders in the digital space. And the products that I had uh, were digital products, right? So it was the website and uh, it was supporting very much their digital products, meaning broadband and entertainment. They were getting into sort of like that sort of space like with Fios, Fios TV, et cetera. So they wanted to really be ahead. So consequently, what, what, um, what happened with that is we were willing to try everything. So to your point, digital was just this open, wonderful space. We were partnering with very, very sort of technology forward agencies, thinking about sort of, okay, how do we approach this? Um, And so for us, I think the key thing, right, because building software is one thing, but the turning point for us was 
knowing that, listen, there are people really using this, like this was a very, very much consumer facing product. And very early on, we understood the value of user centric, a user centric approach and user centric design. And so making sure that we were very, very close to our users by speaking to them, making sure that we, we used various methodologies, whether it's surveys, focus groups, and also very much like phases of usability testing, whether it's paper prototypes, partnering with, again, agencies. It was the biggest, biggest thing that we focused on in order to get it right. You then moved to Time Warner to manage different microsites. Would you say that PMs are in charge of uniting how organizations work? What's your view on this? I think they are, uh, but without the the uh, uh, official agency, right? I mean, I think many PMs will, will probably speak to, to something similar where we are sort of the, the voice of the customer, voice of the user, thinking about, okay, what is the holistic product experience, uh, customer journey, et cetera. And so I think what tends to happen is you have to be that advocate uh, and you have to be um, able to to be that that person who speaks to the customer's pain points, the customer's needs, and doing that without sort of again the the official authority or the agency is is a tough thing. But you have to be the one that unites that. And so the the tactic that I've always used is not just presenting your strategy, but presenting data, using qualitative data, using um, those findings from speaking to customers, as well as quantitative data. I think that is, it's very hard to argue against that, right? And so even though officially you might have other stakeholders that certain business units, et cetera, roll up to, if you are making sure that you are the champion for the customer, and again, providing that common goal, providing that common language because you have that data to speak to, I think that sort of makes your sort of de facto voice of the customer um, uh, champion of the customer role a little bit easier. So how do you pick your metrics? I've spoken with a bunch of PMs and they're telling me that retention is usually what they're looking at. And I was curious about your opinion on this. Uh, that's, I think that's a really great question. And I was actually just talking to my PMs about this um, because I think you have to think about what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve. There's specific success criteria for the more immediate things that you're trying to do. So again, thinking about the goal and if you think about the solution you're building or the feature that you're building, what is its job? And through there, you're able to create the specific success criteria. Am I trying to drive more page views? Am I trying to drive more visits? Am I trying to drive you know, more sort of like glimpses or eyeballs to a particular product? So there's that. And then there's going to be universal KPIs that you're always going to look at. Being in e-commerce, that's always going to be conversion for us. So how are we, how efficient and effective are we getting the customer to place an order, right? Always an average order value, always sort of the, the revenue per visit. So I think you have to think about KPIs in those two ways. This is the specific success criteria for that immediate uh, features goal or immediate features job, as well as the universal KPIs that you need to look at to ensure there's uh, success for the business, success for the the um, the overall customer journey that you're, that you're trying to create. 
After Time Warner, you joined Zappos.com and you were a senior PM for VIP and identity services. How important are security issues when it comes to user experience? I mean, I think it's absolutely critical, right? Because again, it all comes back to customer trust and being able to say, hey, listen, you can, you can trust us with the information that you're willing to share. And so, especially in a, an industry where uh, there is a transaction that is being performed um, and you're talking about financial information, it is absolutely critical. And so making sure that we, we take the proper precautions um, and making sure that the customer is aware of it, right? Because I think it is that twofold step. Um, doing it is one thing, but reassuring the customer at every stage that we do have their, their back. We do have their, their, um, their security and their privacy as a sort of, as a, as a, as a top priority are going to be very, very important in the industry that we're in. I like to think about it and, and um, definitely um, uh, have asked my team members to sort of keep this in mind because all, all of this stuff, while it, it might feel painful, right? You know, making sure, you know, the right, that security measures are in place, compliance to laws, um, compliance to usability guidelines. I think these are all important because in the end, it's all for, it's all for the service of the customer because again this is sort of creating that relationship with them creating that trust making sure we do it making sure we tell them it just again it it gives them that sense of comfort and ultimately everything that we do as pms we 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 do for our user right we we do for our customers the products the solutions the problems we solve there is always somebody in mind for that i think that's an excellent way of putting it so moving on, after Zappos, you became director of products in retail at Rent the Runway. And this is a company that is at the intersection of physical and digital services. What do you think are the main challenges in this realm? This was actually a fantastic uh, role, fantastic experience, because if you look at my, my prior experience, it's all been digital, right? It's all about e-commerce. So Rent the Runway sort of was, was my first foray into um, blending the digital world and the physical world. I think what you, what you really want to think about is, again, going back to the customer, if you think about just sort of like what their journey is, it doesn't matter to them whether they're coming into the store or going into um, your site or your app. Ultimately, the expectation is that it's all rent the runway, right, as an example. And so for me, making sure that um, creating a product strategy that, that solved for that, right, again, using sort of uh, an omni-channel approach where there is sort of this feedback loop of making sure that we are gathering data from all, all, all aspects of the channel, but flowing that through across all channels so that there is a holistic experience. So as an example, if you go in and try on a dress at our store, want to make sure that we flow that in so that when you go back and see, go back to our site or, or our app, you'll see that, hey, we know that you tried it on. We know that this is when you tried it on um, and potentially even rating because you told us whether you liked it or not. And you will see whether it's in your favorites um, or if it's something that, that, uh, that you liked. Maybe there are some stylist notes that you and your, your, your stylist discussed while you're at the store. And that's something that you also see. And again, that's a very 
uh, just one small example, but it's an important example to show that there is this sort of like continuity into in that experience, right? Because in the end, it no longer matters whether if it's just physical or just digital. Yeah, I think that's uh, such a challenge today because there are so many ways of accessing our favorite brands and products. So I want to know, like, how do you make your users feel excited about your products? That's a great question because it is difficult, right? Because if you think about it, to your point, it's so intangible. How do you reflect? How do you take sort of e-commerce principles of selling a physical product and apply that to something uh, like experiences? And so ultimately, we, we, we brought it back to what, the, what we want the customer to feel, what we want the customer to think about as they are looking through um, the experience. Sure, you know, you have your, your normal um, things like, you know, the description of the experience and the images, but how does it relate to the, the customer and what are the emotions that we'd like for him or her to feel in order to really understand what this experience can do for them? And I think that's really the, 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 the best way to um, get that point across is if they can envision themselves doing this experience. And then of course, like, again, the reassurance of like, how is this gonna work logistically? Because here I am so nebulous buying a, a, a hot air balloon ride uh, on a website. How will I know that it's really going up? And so taking her, her or him through those steps uh, to ensure that she has all the information she needs uh, or he needs to, uh, to, to um, make that decision. But ultimately, it's making sure that they're able to envision themselves doing it because it is, it is a much harder product, right, to position. So then you became the VP of product and engineering at One King's Lane. What I saw from your role description is that you were in charge of multiple functions across teams and operations for the first time. How did you face this challenge? It, it was definitely one of the, I mean, every, all of my experiences so far, it's really about learning, right? And that's how I, I look at it. What, not only what I can bring to the table, but also what, what I can learn. Um, and so it, it's, been, it's been such a wonderful experience. Um, I would say creating, and creating a common language for, for all my teams, because you're right, like leading product, one functional lane is one thing, but having product design, engineering, site merchandising, like the whole thing and the whole ecosystem, right? It's not just consumer facing products, but also all the back end systems, the back, the back, back office systems is, is a completely different thing. And so making sure that everybody understood our common goal, what is the vision for the, for the company is one thing, but what is the product vision? Because we are all working towards that, making sure that we had that shared vision, that shared language, because of making sure that we had uh, the right processes in place so that we we are high functioning. Because again, how do you sort of, if you think about how do designers and PMs work together? How do engineers and PMs and designers work together? How do you layer in site merchandising? All of that has to be really um, well laid out in order for the team to function well. And that's not to say that it's, it's not going to be um, something that you want to that you won't be able to course correct, et cetera. We tried to be as iterative as possible, but I think starting with that shared vision, common language, providing sort of the 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 processes that will help us move together, 
quickly and efficiently um, were, were one of the, key, the really just the key things. And then making sure that everybody felt like they had stake in the game. I wanted to make sure people, as, as I was building out the team, you know, had a voice. I made sure to engage with, with them, um, whether it's weekly one-on-ones with my direct reports or uh, maybe every other week with my sort of skip levels. Just again, like trying to create a, a very close-knit team that had a common goal that they can move together and just building those relationships together. So since people may like something completely different now than what they will like in the future, for example, with clothing, clothing, taste changes. How do you go about this type of challenge in terms of product delivery across a customer's life cycle? Again, going back to, I think, the discovery phase of understanding what you're trying to do, understanding where you you want to take that, that product, right? But ultimately understanding also your customer. So for us, it was very much around making sure that we had that consistent dialogue with our customers because needs change over time to your point. And in our case, because it's, you know, physical goods in, in the home space, um, whether it's buying a new home or you're moving into your first apartment, just having that sort of regular interaction with our customers uh, was very, very critical to understand where they, where they are in that life cycle. And then also making sure that it's not just about uh, the customer experience. We worked very, very closely with our merchandising team. So what is sort of the physical product offering offerings on the site, like you, like you had mentioned, and how is that best positioned, uh, as well as uh, One King's Lane was very, is very, very much an inspirational design resource. So how do we also surface uh, content and um, helpful articles, videos, et cetera, to our customers so that they're able to then at each sort of stage in, in, their, in their life cycle come back to us and know that uh, it's not just about the physical product, but there are other ways for us to help and engage with them as well. But I think as a, as a product person, you really need to look at all those angles, right? So when I think about solving a problem or think about just sort of like the customer life cycle, it is not just about the digital customer experience that I'm creating. It's all of those other pieces as well. Before we move on and talk about your current position, uh, I just wanted to touch on industry associations for women um, what do you think about the role they play in connecting and helping people out? And do you yourself participate at all? So I am I'm pretty active in the product community uh, and I am uh, one of the chapter leads for the Women in Product New York City chapter. Very excited about that. And so you think about sort of the, 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 the world that we live in today where we really still need to make sure, I mean, sadly so, right, that diversity and inclusion is something that we, we talk about and care for. It's hugely important to continue to provide resources for women, um, women of color, people of color, uh, to have these sort of like um, forums and communities to help discuss, get advice, um, 
push each other forward because that that is still something that you know we are diversity and diversity and inclusion is still sorely lacking in the tech community today right it's we're just not quite there yet so it plays a huge huge role and i think it's important for all of us to be aware of that and all of us to participate in that in order for all of us to help each other move forward. So moving on, you became the VP of product at Boxed and congratulations. Could you describe a little bit about the problem and the solution that the company's aiming to provide? What's your motivation in taking this new role? Yes, so uh, a little bit about Boxed. Boxed is an online wholesale club. And so if you think about just sort of um, shopping for bulk goods, household items, you're able to do that with Boxed um, pretty conveniently because you can do it from anywhere without having to go to a brick and mortar store. Um, what's exciting to me about it is, and sort of just the problem that, that, that we are trying to solve is sort of, if you think about it, everybody still has to buy household goods, household basics. And so for me coming into e-commerce and retail is something that I'm still very, very much excited about uh, after, after, you know, about 15 years in this space. And, uh, but what I've done is, is very much, you know, there's, it's fashion, it's, it's, uh, it's home, it's, um, you know, more so the, the, um, very, very different type of products than just sort of like your, your household goods where you always will need them. You always will have to buy them. And I think it, it creates very, very different challenges, right? Because what are, what are the, what is the customer mindset and the customer life cycle when it comes to buying household goods? There's not a lot of potentially not a lot of uh, contemplation that you would do with, let's say, buying a bulk-sized, you know, box of cereal or um, bulk-sized pack of toilet paper versus, you know, contemplating, thinking about buying a new couch or a new sofa. And so I think it's just very, very different because if, when it comes to boxed, it's all about, um, we need this. This is, this is, um, something that we use in our day-to-day and so how do we help our customers how can we give them the gift of time and convenience and value and these are the things that we are constantly thinking about at box because we are very much a very customer-centric top of mind for those key pillars that i've just talked about um, when, when, when thinking about the the customer life cycle and for me joining a company like boxed I mean, there, there is that sort of um, very interesting set of problems to solve because of the space that we're in, but also because I, I don't know if you've, you've read, read about Boxed at all, it is a very, very wonderful group of people that doesn't just care about their customers. I mean, it's very easy to say that, right, Roy? Yeah. But ultimately, the, the, the founders really care. They, they care very deeply about their employees. That is such, that is something that definitely has touched me. Like things that we offer, like, you know, if you're getting married, there's, there's a, a, a wedding um, uh, benefit that we provide where, you know, there's, there's some um, uh, financial uh, help that, that the company provides. Or if you're a parent sending your child to college, same thing. Like these are very tangible, meaningful things. The company chooses to spend their money to 
to, to really help people. And that is very much part of the company mission. So I, as a product person, then think about, okay, well, how do I then um, add to that digital customer experience? How do I help the customer journey? How do I help the customer um, see all of this stuff? I think that's, that's, a, that's a very compelling uh, problem to try to solve. I mean, you were talking just now about who boxed are and um, who's part of the team right now. How big is the team that you're directing? And then how big in comparison is your current pool of stakeholders? What's the difference between the two? Right now, it's the, the gap is pretty big, <laughs> I have to admit. And that's also one of the reasons I joined um, is to reset. I mean, being at One Kings Lane was so wonderful, such a great opportunity. Uh, I really got a chance to build out a team and contribute to uh, not just the company, but also, you know, the, the customers that we're serving. And so I, I really wanted to reset and do that again. So the size of my team at Box is very small. Right now I have two PMs and I get a chance to build that out, which is very, very exciting. And so when I say to you, the, the gap is pretty big, it's pretty big because if you think about it, the rest of the company plus the customers, those are all my stakeholders. Um, and so Consequently, I am hiring and, and building out the, uh, the product team. So what do you look for in aspiring candidates for your team? What are the essential skills that they need to know and the general outlook that comes with this type of work? Yeah, there's, there's I would say, three key things, right? Outside of the very um, formalized sort of like your product discipline of being able to um, properly write user stories, write a creative roadmap, et cetera. I think that's all a given, right? Um, ultimately, though, if I think about um, the key things for a, for a PM to be successful uh, within within my team and sort of the, the problems that we're trying to solve, one is being a consistent learner, being willing to have an open mind. I'm a learner at heart. I think it's important to continue to ask questions to, to ask why, to push yourself so that, and your, and your product, so that we're always learning and iterating. Number two, I think it's very, very important to understand that there are many solutions to a problem. And so finding the right candidate that, that uh, is um, uh, a, a, true, a true problem solver, but also taking that a step further, understanding that, that they, they pick the right solution for the right plot problem at the right time, that's very critical, right? It's, it's not a one-to-one -one where problem equals one solution. There's really multiple, multiple solutions at any given time. So if you think about sort of what solutions you need right now, is it an ops solution? Is it a tech solution? Are you trying for an MVP? Are you trying to prove something out? What do we need right now? I think that's very critical. And then the last one is being a relationship builder. I think that's hugely critical. Um, in order for you to be successful in product across the board, I think you really need to, to uh, be willing to sort of create those relationships because we play in so many different areas. That's what's so exciting about product. But it's important to remember that in order to build that right solution for that right problem, you can't do it by yourself. We need help. We need other people. So making sure you form those relationships, um, cultivating each other's trust, understanding that you're all in the same team, working on the common goal, hugely important. So it's just, it's those three things. Be a learner, have an open mind, making sure you're a, a problem solver, and making sure that you are, you are willing to build you know, just real authentic relationships 
those are the things that I really care about. Um, and then the rest, again, not to, not to, not to forget about like the, the, um, the, the discipline of product of being data-driven, customer-focused, the, the, the technicals of writing user stories and, and creating roadmaps, that's also very important. But those three factors are absolutely a must for me. Well, I personally think that's great advice for any aspiring PM. Who knows? Maybe someone listening will join your team soon. <laughs> Hopefully. That would be great. Thank you so much, Andrea. Join us next week to hear from Carlos Roque from Magic Leap. Have your own thoughts on the topics covered? Then drop us a line on Twitter. We want to hear from you. And don't forget to join us next week for fresh insights. <laughs>